This is Will Ford from Football 365, and you're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. What's up, everyone? You're listening to At the Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast, your number one source for all things Chelsea. On this episode, we're going to be looking back at the year 2020 for Chelsea and just giving it a good review and seeing the ups, the downs, and our favourite moments. Now, here are your hosts, all the way from the UK, Mikey, Berth, and Chris. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At the Bridge Pod. And as our listeners will now know, it's the first podcast of the year 2021. Well, obviously, once it's been released. Uh, we're still in the past in 2020, boo, when we record this. But I, I'm your host, Mike, and today I'm joined by my two co-hosts. As always, it's Berth and Chris. How was the uh, the Christmas break, guys? Yeah, brilliant. Really, really good. Um, ate way too much food. Drank a fair bit of alcohol as well. But it was really good. Really good time with the family. Chris, how was yours? Yeah, I had a really nice Christmas, thanks. Really quite chilled. Went quite quick as well. So I Always really does. Nice. Yeah. Well, does drag sometimes though i think christmas day but it went really quick this year mm. it's all about the leftovers day the next day when you get all the you can make so many good sandwiches that's uh oh that's that's what i live for there Box i did have a nice turkey leftovers. sandwich to be fair i had a nice turkey sandwich on boxing day so oh, i'll agree with you there so good bit of cranberry sauce bit of stuffing oh can't be nice nice so with that we're going to head into the newsroom and we're going to be seeing what the goings on are at Stamford bridge There was a huge Boxing Day bout. It was a London derby and it was Chelsea and they were taking on Arsenal. Jorginho against Leno. And it's saved. And that's surely Chelsea's chance gone. Burnt Leno, part of the heroic Arsenal performance today. So it's been a fair few days since uh, that performance. Um, We came away from the Emirates with a defeat against a very out-of-form Arsenal side, which since have recorded their second win. Uh... Oh, before I go, I mean, for me, we were just, I'm going to swear we were pissed fucking poor. <laughs> That's all you can really say. You know, I left scratching my head thinking, what happened? Especially after the Leeds performance that we put in. What happened? I mean, I have no idea. What do you guys make of that game? I mean, uh, what else can you say? We were absolutely terrible. Elsewhere as well, we were shit. I mean, that is, I mean, that's been kind as well. We were worse than that, to be honest. I mean, Arsenal, credit to them, they played well. But my God, we were so, so poor. I've never seen us put in such a rubbish, lethargic, slow performance in a London derby in all my life. And I've supported Chelsea now for a good 20, 21 years. And I've never seen a much poorer performance than that, really. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely pathetic, to be honest. It was embarrassing to even call it a performance. It was just 11 people who walked out onto a pitch, let the opposition do whatever they wanted and left again. Mm. Nothing nothing yeah. positive about the game. Yeah. Oh, I've been uh, you know what? Out. Sorry, I, I, will, I will interject there. I think the one positive of that game was hudson Adoy. I think hudson Adoy yeah. when he came on, was fantastic. I thought he actually changed the game. He played really well. And he's the only one that can hold his head up high after that game. Everyone else was shit. Yeah, I mean, I've got it. My points I made. Um, I don't understand why our form and our play as well has nosedived, nosedived in such a short period. Um, we, we, that's got to be figured out. Uh, Reese and Chilwell, they were very poor. I mean, they, they shouldn't, in my opinion, they shouldn't have started at all. I mean, they, that you could see there was something not quite right due to them recovering from their injuries. I, I think we were all shocked to see him on the actual team sheet I mean we all expected neither of them to play and you know big fancy Premier League player I am I was shocked to see them in the game I just thought what um yeah Kante had a bad game I think unfortunately he was a bit sloppy but for the rest of his performances this season I could let him off with that I mean but the midfield and the front three it didn't click all game we were just so poor going forward um it was one of them games of buts and ifs if Jorginho scored, etc., but it could have changed the game. Now, I've said this before, you can stick with that style of penalty all you like, but be ready to look like a right fool when you don't score. Leno, he sat there, stood, stood, waited, and he knew what was coming. He knew Jorginho was going to do hop, skip, jump. He did. 
and it was the easiest save a goalkeeper can make from a penalty spot. That's why I detest that penalty style. Because if a goalkeeper knows you're going to do it, he's just going to stand and they've worked it out. But it is what it is, isn't it? I mean, I don't know what you guys thought of the lineup and obviously the penalty stuff as well. I mean, yeah, I've, I was surprised as anyone to see Reese and Ben uh, start. I thought Reese James was very, very poor. I, I think past couple of games has actually been really poor. I think against Wolves, similar situation where all right, the penalty got overturned, but he got wrong side of uh, I think it was Neto, and, and he tripped him. Well, looked like he tripped him. Same thing happened again against Arsenal. Got the wrong side. Then he stupid, stupid decision to try and win the ball. He's going nowhere. I can't remember what the player was for Arsenal, but he's going nowhere. And Reese really, he knows better than that. He, he does know better than that. And it was just really stupid of him. Um, the Kante point. Um, I'm going to be honest, past three, four games, I've been really, really frustrated with Kante. I, I don't think it's acceptable for Saka's goal, what Kante did. And we'll go on to the Aston Villa game in a bit where I've got another point about Kante, but it was really, really bad. And I think if someone like Alonso or Jorginho had just let Saka walk into the box like he did and score, I think we'd have hounded him and, and gave him a load of abuse. But because it's Kante, we sort of let him off a bit. And I don't think that's fair. Some of Kante's statues, world-class stature, he should be doing better. And I, I said it a couple of weeks ago, we are way too easily passed in midfield, whether we start Kovacic, Jorginho or Kante. Either of them start, it seemingly... We, teams are easy, easily bypassing us and that is an alarming problem that we've got and we need to sort that out quickly. Is Declan Rice a problem to put in there? I don't know but that is a situation where teams are just outrunning us, outplaying us in the field and we can't get near teams and that is a serious problem. And then yeah the penalty, I don't think Georgina should take penalties anymore, especially with this new rule where the keeper can't move off his line it's given that extra bit of time to sort of see where Jorginho's going and he's not scoring as many. I think they should have gave it to Tammy or I don't know. I can't, remember, can't even remember now who's on the field. But it should have been Tammy's or, or Giroud or whatever. But yeah, I don't think Georgina should take penalties anymore. Fair, Chris. Yeah, I was all, I was shocked about the fullback selection. I think it shows that Lampard. It's the way we approach the game. Really, uh, we approached Arsenal like they was Arsenal and not like the Arsenal that was out of form like they was. And he's. He felt as though he needed his two best fullbacks in there, almost giving him too much respect in the end. And I think that's how we approached the game. We approached the game very negative and we handed initiative to them. When I think when you're playing a team who's so out of form and under so much pressure as Arsenal was, you should be starting the game on the front foot and trying to push them back. And we didn't do that. Um, that was the most disappointing thing for me. Kante on with birth. The, the bloke frustrates the life out of me. He's still got world-class qualities. He makes a couple of interceptions a game. I think, oh, that was really good. But all I see him doing now, mostly, is fouling people. He keeps getting to the ball half a second too late and committing fouls. And the, the free kick that Arsenal scored off was because he committed a foul when he didn't need to. Just this over-enthusiasm from him to try and win the ball back every time is really starting to cost us now. And on the ball, I think he's absolutely terrible. He, he, can't, he can't cross. He can't pass. I've never seen a professional footballer give the ball away so much on simple five and ten yard passes. He's he's really frustrating, and he kills a lot of our attacks by getting him involved. I think we have to find a way of not getting him involved when we're trying to build attacks, and he's just there literally to break the play up and then pass it backwards if he has to, because he he gives the ball away so many times. Um, the Jorginho penalty thing, I just think once. We took penalties off Jorginho and gave them to Werner. I don't think Jorginho should have been taking another penalty anyway, because we've all already agreed there that he isn't good enough. So, considering yeah. Tammy has already scored a goal, I don't know why Tammy didn't take it. I think that should... the penalty taker should just be the centre forward. That's the easiest way of doing it. Whichever centre forward's on the pitch at the time takes the penalty. Giroud took one against Sevilla, scored. Tammy used to take him for Villa when he was on loan there, scored most of them. Werner's obviously the penalty taker now. I don't know why Jorginho is still even in the mix to take him, for taking penalties. Yeah, I mean, he sh Giroud as well, he, he should have come on. He didn't, obviously. Tammy, Tammy's just, he's a good player, but the thing with Tammy Abraham is he's, he's horrible at receiving crosses. It's, it, you know, it's it's been either a bad header or he misses it completely. And we know Giroud, you know, that's that's his game. You know, whilst Tammy's link-up play was kind of non-existent in, in the Arsenal game. And, you know, a, a short point I would make, I thought it was a little naive to bring on Havertz to change the game, you know, especially in his current form and his recovery from the virus. It, you know, it, 
yeah. But, you know, we, we deserve to lose. No one's saying we didn't. It was a poor game from us, from Frank and, and the players. Uh, a short 48 hours later, we were, we were back home. We were at the bridge and we took on Aston Villa. Aston is still down. Grealish, as you saw, back up. Played in by Matty Cash. Al Ghazi, 1-1! Well, we needed a performance. You know, a response, uh, something after that abysmal Arsenal game. And we were let down. We were let down. A 1-1 draw. It, it could have been a 2-1 victory if Chilwell's volley had gone in. It could have easily been a 2-1 defeat if John McGinn's strike had gone in instead of destroying the bar. Uh, how were we feeling after that performance against Villa? Uh, disappointed. Very disappointed. Don't get me wrong, Villa are a great team. You could argue at the moment they are better than Arsenal. And we were slightly better in the first half. But I think the problem that we've got is once the team scores against us, it's like we just run out of any idea on how to play football at all, any idea on to create any chances, any idea how to form any structure, any sort of momentum in a game. We just run out of ideas as soon as the team scores against us. I mean, I saw it against Wolves a couple of weeks ago where I knew as soon as Wolves scored a goal, they would go on and win the game. Against Arsenal, as soon as Arsenal scored a goal, I knew I was going to win the game. And I knew as soon as Villa scored, I knew we we wouldn't win the game. And that is a real problem again for us. I do think we massively miss Hakim Ziyech because without him, it doesn't seem like we've got anyone to provide that killer pass in behind. Yeah. I just think, I mean, you know, you talk about chances, Pulisic missed a few chances, which this time last season he probably would have scored. Um, I think our best player was Ben Chilwell. I think Ben Chilwell played really well, actually. Um, other than that, again, can say, I think he was at fault for the goal. I really do think he was at fault for the goal. Chris mentioned his, his ball retention and, and and in possession, I think he's really poor at the moment in possession. He's um, he's killing our attack at the moment. He's He seems like he's not with it, can say. He does seem like the injuries are almost caught with him. And I think we don't seem to win any second balls anymore. It seems like he's just a little bit too late to get to the ball. I mean, you look at Villa and, and John McGinn, he was first to everything. Literally every second ball he was there. And Kante wasn't. And that isn't Kante. Kante is, he should be the best destroyer in the game. But at the moment, he, he really isn't. I don't know what that's down to, but we need to sort him out because on current form, I, I don't think he really should be in the team. I think you could argue Kovacic should be in there, maybe with Mason Mount, and play maybe like 4-4-2 or something like that, something different really to change change our look. But yeah, really disappointed and in the minute we're in a rut. Uh, uh, well, I'll jump in there before we just carry on. We're 13th in the form table. We're only above mm. Wolves, Newcastle, Brighton, Palace, Spurs and West Brom and Sheffield United. Um, yeah, that means Fulham, West Ham, they're, they're above us at the moment in the form. Burnley as well, but Burnley have been on an incredible run. They've had played five games and won 10 points, which is pretty good for where they were as well. But yeah, last five games have been a win, a draw and three defeats. Uh, you know, it, it was just so frustrating. I mean, eight points... In our last seven games, ever since our tougher and a fixture started with Spurs, and you think that's that's not good enough for top four, it just isn't. Mm. I mean, you can say what you want about the manager or specific players, but collectively, they've not done anywhere and even close enough to meet the standards of competing for top four in that stretch. You know, thankfully, this season is in completely insane when it comes to form and other teams. I mean, our rivals seem to be dropping points each week. So we're only really two to three consecutive wins away from like getting back up there again. But you can't be relying on other teams to keep messing up. And if it wasn't such a, you know, who's going to win, who's going to lose, such up and down, we could be miles away from the pack. I, I don't know how you're feeling on this, Chris. Yeah, well, just talking about the game first, I mean, I was expecting to see some sort of reaction Lampard made changes to try and get a reaction, but he's brought in players who hadn't been playing and you'd think would show some enthusiasm for the game. And I just didn't see it again. Villa, it was the same. We started okay, first five, ten minutes. But then as soon as Villa started getting their foot on the ball, they completely dominated the ball. They, they, they looked more dangerous. They didn't create many chances, but they worked better areas than we did. The only place we looked dangerous was on the left-hand side with Chilwell because Traore for Villa just didn't track him at all. Um, mm. this absolute insistence we have on playing through our fullbacks, it's so predictable. All we do is we, we keep the ball until we can find Chilwell or Reese James in space, out wide, and then they put a cross into the box. 
regardless of who's in the box. You know, Chilwell, I thought, I agree with Berth, I thought Chilwell had a really good game. But he's got to improve in terms of every time we get the ball to him, you can't just put a cross in every single time. I actually liked what he did for the goal. I thought, because he looked for Giroud at the near post. And instead of just putting a, a nameless cross into an area, he actually picked Giroud out and we scored from it. But him and Rhys James or Azpilicueta, whoever plays at, at fullback, they have to start doing that more. They can't just keep putting the ball into an area and hoping that there's someone there to attack it. We're just relying every time on Giroud being in the right place. But if he isn't playing, or if Tammy's playing, we, we did, a lot of the crosses we put in, they look decent, but they're not anywhere near anyone. And then when you watch replays, you can see that there's someone who's pulled out to penalty spot. There's someone on the edge of the box. There's a little cutback pass they could have played. There was one against Villa where we got the ball wide to Azpilicueta. Pulisic had ran from the left over to the right with the ball. He laid it off to Azpilicueta. He, he then dropped to the edge of the box to receive the next pass. And Azpilicueta put in a cross and there's no one in the box. And you just think, what's the point of that? Just play the extra pass. We're not patient enough and we're not clever enough around the box. We don't play little one-twos, little link-up play. Our wide, yeah. players, our wide players are literally just there to bring the full-backs in, to create space for our full-backs. And that's all that we do. Um, yeah, uh, yeah the, 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 for, the form's really worrying. I, it's not just it's not just the form though, it's the level of performances. I, I have I haven't been happy watching us play now for a long time. That includes when we was winning games. There's been a lot of games this season where we've won and you've thought, eh, performance was okay. Result was result was decent, but the performance was only okay at best. You know, I don't I don't think our football has improved at all this season. I don't considering the, the players that we've brought in and the, the squad that we have, I just don't think our football is anywhere near the level it needs to be. And, yeah. you know, people keep talking about we're only four points off second, and that's correct, but we're only, six, we're only six points off 16th. So you can look at the table both ways. You know, yeah, we could go and win the next two games and end up in the top four, but we could lose the next two games and end up in the bottom half of the table. So, yeah. you know, you have true. to look at yeah. what you've actually done, and I don't think our points total is anywhere near the level that it should be, considering the squad that we have. Yeah, I mean, when I saw the team sheet and I saw Christensen in the lineup, I expected issues. I mean, he sadly, you know, I, we keep talking about him as a, a future star, but he's just not come on and grown from his. And let's be fair, it was a truly exceptional loan spell at Gladbach. But we're going to, I'll bring up this, he stayed down after the Grealish challenge and he'll receive a fair bit of criticism for the El Ghazi goal due to it. And you did think, really? John Terry criticised him as well. And I know he got a little bit of kick back on social about that but he's kind of right because it wasn't if Grealish is back up you'd think that Christensen would be back up um but yeah we can blame the officials of course that 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 didn't help but 200 million plus spent in the summer and I, I've got to just be honest it seems that Lampard doesn't have a clue how to play Kai and Timo none whatsoever um I, I said this on social the last few days people have seen it Timo is a centre-forward. He's incredible as a centre-forward. He's deadly as a centre-forward, as he proved at Leipzig last season. Why is he being played on the left wing? I know he could go Tammy, but just play Werner there. He'll score goals. That's what he's good at. Sorry to interrupt. So at the same no, time, I totally, agree with you. I totally agree with you. He should be playing as a striker, but he's, he's got to be better. He has got to be better in front of goal. He has to score these chances. Have you played on the left or up front or whatever... If you get those chances that he's had, with his qualities, he has to still finish them. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, totally. You know, he's got the best XG in in the squad. I mean, he's got an XG of six point five, and mm. he might have only scored four goals in the league. So it's not two; it's two goals on two and a half goals under. But it's just so frustrating. If you actually played him in his position, he would be good. He would be showing that. Apparently, you know, the interview over the summer, he was brought in. He was convinced to join by Lampard himself. It was a big, big point. And he understood the system, where he was going to play tactically and all this. If that's true, I'm pretty sure he didn't expect to be playing left wing the whole time. Because, yeah, he played five games for Leipzig last season in that position. But that's not his position. There's a reason out of 45 matches, he only played five on the wing and 38 as a centre forward. You know, we're... we're Top four looks ambitious at the moment, and the only reason we're in the race is because everyone else in the race are just as inconsistent as us. But when you spend that much money, questions are going to be asked. And I know there's you, no one's going to say, oh, time to time to wave goodbye, sack. 
because that always gets kicked back on social media. I, I understand that. But we can't just keep sort of thinking art is okay. We spent a lot of money and we're not look I mean, there's clubs that are around us that are looking better than us and they've barely spent anything. You know, Villa look incredible. Fair play considering where they were last season. Um, Everton again, and there's other teams that just look solid. Leicester, wow, Leicester were awful at the end of last season. They capitulated, hence why we got top four. And we're, we're not looking to patch on them at the moment. Things could change. Um, I will end it with a positive. Uh, it was mentioned earlier in the other game, but Callum Hudson-Odoi, he deserves some praise in this game. You know, he made some incredible runs. His passing was exceptional. And we, but sadly, we don't have anyone that sort of knows how to play him into space within the team. He's, because his runs were incredible. And the way he went from one side to the other, and he always lost his marker. You know, Giroud and Hudson-Odoi, they were working hand in hand. You know, he was dragging the marker. Giroud was drawing all the attention in the box. But we couldn't finish anything, unfortunately. And, you know, 1-1. One, one. Uh, any any final thoughts on, on the game or my opinions? <laughs> I'll, um, I'll go to your point. I agree. I think in the first half, Hudson-Odoi was probably our best player, to be honest. I think he sort of, Petered out in the second half, but I still thought it was a very promising performance from him. But I think our problem, and we've had it for a long, long time, I think this is probably why Werner, well, no, it is why Werner struggles, I think. Our passing, when Ziyech isn't in the team, it's way too safe. In possession, we don't look for that killer ball. Like, and the ball is there to be played over the top or, or through a few defenders. We don't play, we pass it back or pass it from side to side. We are far too safe in possession. The only player I've seen do that for us this season is Ziyech. He, he's always looking for that ball over the top. That's where Werner gets. That's where Werner is best. He runs past defenders. At the moment, you're looking at Mount. He'll get the ball. Yeah, he'll take on a player, and then he'll play a fancy pass like across field, but he won't be in behind. Same with Kovacic. He'll go past a few players, but then nothing in behind. And then this is where we keep passing it to our fullbacks, and then we're passing it into the box. But that's not what what we should be doing. We should be trying to look for that ball over the top for that ball in behind. Because I think that's where Werner is best. I think that's where Havertz can come on as well and, and score some goals and mountain players like that and Tammy. But we have a reluctance to just play that killer ball. And I think that is why we have been struggling recently as well. Yeah, I think you're absolutely spot on there. I think the problem is, is that when we win the ball back, we look to retain possession first before we mm -hmm. look to hurt the opposition. But by the time we look to hurt the opposition, they've, they've sat everyone behind the ball and then it's really difficult for us. We, we are, it's so rare that we win the ball back and play forward with our first pass. And then in the Villa game, I, I couldn't believe what I was watching. It was 88 minutes, 1-1 at home against Villa. And Rudiger and Christensen passed the ball back and forth between the two of them six times. And you just think, what is the point of that? You've moved nowhere. Just yeah. play another pass. I mean, Mendy, the goalkeeper, he must have some of the best passing stats in the league the amount of times we pass the ball back to him. All I see is that triangle between him and the two centre-backs. That's all we play. It's the only time we ever play a triangle. Is, is that the way? We just, it's so slow. It's so boring. No one wants to take initiative. That's the only reason why I think Pulisic deserves some credit. Because every time he gets the ball, he's the only player who's positive. He always gets on the turn towards the opposition goal and drives us upfield. And he's always looking to hurt the opposition. And everyone else is just seems too worried about their stats more than anything. Yeah, yeah, I think that that's fair. Um, well, we've got over the negative, so we're gonna we'll be back to talk our main topic after this. For Chelsea fans everywhere, this is the ultimate football app for you. Never miss a match with live commentary, goal alerts, lineups, in-game stats, and TV and radio links for over 100 leagues globally. Download the free CFC Blues app now from the App Store and Google Play. Welcome back, listeners. Well, the year 2020 will be remembered for many a reason. Sadly, not for the positive, but we're, we're going to take a look back at the year that was for Chelsea, the ups, the downs, the cup finals, and when Bayern came to town. Uh, I, I felt the best way to deal with this review would be to just treat it like an end-of-season review sort of thing. A few categories. We'll pick our winners and losers for each. So, first up, we've got the player of 2020. Um, I went with Thiago Silva purely because of how he has improved our side defensively. Just in the short spell he's been here, the leadership, his attitude and his experience, it's been amazing. And for free, he cost us nothing. Of course, wages, but nothing. Wow. And for a 36-year-old, wow. Uh, yeah. That's a good shout. I mean, I, I can't disagree with you there, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, I mean, I, I do think 
I mean, I would have picked Giroud personally, just because oh, I think. Yeah. I think 2020. I think a lot of people wrote Giroud off at Chelsea, and you know, there's been speculation here, there, and everywhere about where he's going. But he's proved everyone wrong time and time and time again, and he's got a lot of important goals for us. I mean, that that run at the end of last season, if we if we didn't have him in the team, we wouldn't have got top four. And this season, whenever he's coming into the team, he's been brilliant. I mean, he scored four goals against a really good Sevilla team. I think he's been fantastic on and off the pitch. I think that's why he'd be more player of 2020 for Chelsea. Yeah, I think both of them are really good shots. Uh, I, I agree completely about Giroud and I was toying going with him. But in the end, I've gone for Mason Mount because yeah. I think he played the most amount of games. He's been consistent, um, scored in an FA Cup semi-final, scored the free kick against Wolves on the final day to break down well, to give us the lead in that game, which ultimately got us Champions League. This season, I think he's been consistent. There are things about his game that I think he needs to improve on, like what we just said, really. Passing forward more, trying to hurt the opposition more. But for someone who his only first-team experience was a year at Derby, I think to come in and do what he's doing at a top club is incredible. Agreed. I, yeah. I can't disagree with that. Yeah, huge step up for him as well. Completely agree. Uh well, there's our player. I, I can't argue with any of those. They're all very good shouts for very good reasons. Um, goal of 2020. Now, I've, I've, we might have the same one here. What have we gone for, guys, here? Uh, I don't know. I'm sort of toying between about four of them. So, which ones have you gone for? Wow. I, I've gone for first game of the season. Reese James, Brighton. Yeah, oh, yeah that, oh, I think that was top of the list. Corner. Yeah, yeah. Swerve the strike, pure art. Get that in the football museum. It was lovely, absolutely lovely strike. Yeah, I totally agree. I think a top two were probably that and Mason Mount's free kick against Wolves last season. Because I think that was really important that Ooh, goal. Yeah, just yeah, because of how important that was. I was sort of, I probably go for that one just to be different. I think. Mm. Yeah. See, so, oh, I've got, I've got two different ones. I've got. Uh, Christian Pulisic away at Liverpool in the 5-3 yeah. game yes. Good unbelievable first touch and then to swivel on it and just put it in the top corner was a great goal didn't mean a lot in the end but as a goal itself was outstanding and then another one I've got is uh, Havertz's tapping against Southampton and I'll tell you why I think that's the only goal we've scored this this season that shows what this squad is capable of it, mm. we played really quick Pulisic got on the turn, beat a man, flipped in Werner down the side, in behind, like where he should be being played. He went through, tapped it across, and that was a, a little tap-in for Havertz, which isn't a great goal in itself, but for the team perspective, I thought was a really, really good goal we've scored this season. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can see your point there. Yeah, I've just pulled up the Pulisic goal. I, I can see your point there. It's, it's a very good, it's a nice little bit of control. He's under a, lot of, he's under a fair bit of pressure from Trent, and then obviously... Matic, yeah, that's a, yeah, it's, that's that's class. That, that's a fair point. Very nice. Yeah, I, I always have a good screamer. I mean, let's be. Oh, don't don't edit that. That's terrible. You could edit that and put that into anything <laughs> for, uh, out of context. Oh, that's an out of context clip comment. But uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's why I like uh, I can't remember his first name, but Kasami when he scored for Fulham and he yeah, just, oh, that for me was always better than the Wiltshire. What? That was a great team goal, but for me, Kasami, because it's a one in a million strike, you know, it's, it, oh, it's just like the Vardy goal against, um, I think, City, I think it was, similar style, almost. The, um, the volley is, I think it was Liverpool, I think the one you're was on about. It? Maybe I'm thinking of Peter Crouch against City, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah that Peter Crouch against City and then Vardy against Liverpool, yeah. So, this one will be decisive. Uh, biggest disappointment of the year. Well, we got... Uh, to be fair, I've just put, I've just put this season. <laughs> Which one? Uh, this this twenty one. Tw <laughs> yeah, this season twenty twenty one. So far, from from how we was talking in the summer and the signings that we made, and I think where everyone's expectations went, rightly or wrongly, I think it it's fell far below our expectations so far. I yeah. I agree. I agree. I... I think it's a ridiculous time at the moment. I think it, it's such a weird and wonderful season, this, and it, it could end up in tears or it couldn't end up being a really positive season. You don't know. So that's why I've sort of not mentioned anything about this season. Having said that, 
I would say a major disappointment of 2020's team of Werner so far. Just because yeah. I thought I thought it was going to be he was going to start off really well. I, I, you know, I thought he was brilliant at Leipzig. He started off really well against Brighton. Started getting a few goals, and then past couple of games, it's just not happening for him. And I'm I'm worried. I am really worried for him. I, th- I think he he will still be a great player, but it's just slowly giving me Morata and Higuain flashbacks. And I don't want that to happen. And if it's not playing well, I just fear, yeah, it's, it's not helping the situation. Werner missing chance after chance. So I'm going to put Werner down, unfortunately, but I still think there's a great player in there. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I... I... Sorry, quite okay. uh, I said to you, didn't I, Beth? I think it was about three or four weeks ago when, yeah. we, messaged, when we messaged you in games and I said to you, I don't think Timo Werner will score goals for us. And mm. you, said, you said to me, you thought it was a bit soon, but mm. if you just... He just does not suit the way we play, and that's not that's not his fault. It, you've got to look at whether the signing was was the right one. If, like I said before, when we like playing crosses into the box so much, that's why Giroud is so good for us. That's not Werner's game. We don't play. I, balls, to be honest, so. I, th- I think Werner. I think Werner would have been brilliant at Liverpool, but the moment the way we're playing, I think we can play like we like to Werner's strengths, but we're not at the moment. Yeah, and like, and and that's the problem. I think when he has played. Past three, four, five games. Let's be honest, though. He ha- he hasn't been great. You can say yeah, whether yeah. he's played up position or not. He hasn't played well himself, and like you can't blame Lampard for that, unfortunately. But he hasn't been great, and he, we, we paid a lot of money for him to score goals. Zit's come in and done well. I could have put Havertz in there, to be fair, but I mean he's had COVID. He really suffered bad from it, and he has shown glimpses Havertz, but yeah, he's not been in the team much. Thiago Silva's been brilliant, Chilwell's been brilliant, Mendy's been brilliant. So it's, unfortunately, Werner is the one to take the hit on this one. But oh, I hope... I had, a mini, I had a mini heart flutter when you said Silva in the uh, biggest disappointment category. No, no, no. Oh, no, no. Oh, definitely no, definitely right. not. Ooh. Definitely not. Thiago Silva's been fantastic. But Ooh. yeah, I think Werner has been the worst of the signings so far. I Unfortunately. Pick, yeah, I'll just read my sentence out I wrote because it, it makes sense to a point. I put Kai Havertz because <laughs> I'm still expecting huge things from the young guy. Now, mm. notice I put young. I ex- he's young, be fair to him. And I then put, he has battled back from COVID, which has been incredible considering how he's, he shared his story and how harrowing it was for being bedbound. Um, and on the other side, but for the price tag and what he did at Leverkusen last season, I feel that I've expected more, but unfortunately it hasn't been. But again, there's a lot of asterisks and good reason about why he hasn't potentially been the player he was at Leverkusen. So it's it's just it's a it, yeah it's a placeholder, but it's as simple I, I, as that. I totally get what you mean. And he it was either between him or Werner, but I do think, like you said, there's a lot of asterisks next to his name. Yeah. So a lot of yeah. And and to be fair to him, I think you know when he came on against Villa, I actually thought he played really well. I thought he did quite well when he came on. So maybe it's a promising sign that he did well, but. We'll wait and see. It's a long, long season yet, so. This is the fun one. Best performance. I'll jump in because we remember this and I love saying it. Uh, Chelsea 4, Everton 0 in the league back in March. Um, that was when Ross never skips leg day Barkley. Has a man of the match performance. Back in two assists. Uh, I thought he was incredible that game. And I will never forget that photo of his legs because... It was incredible, and it, it inspired me to keep going with leg day, even though I hate leg day so much. Uh, it was a great performance. It really, really, really was. Um, you could argue that not have been many great performances other than maybe the Wolves game on the final day, where we needed a win. And uh, yeah, but what did you guys? What did you guys pick for best performance of 2020? Um, I've actually gone for one this season, believe it or not. Um, I've gone for the Chelsea really? four. Yeah, Chelsea four Sevilla nil. I just think. That was oh, okay. the that was the most unexpected one. I thought it was fantastic considering the team we had out. Um and yeah, it just it really clicked for us. Um against a really well drilled, disciplined, severe side. I thought we exceeded expectations and it was a really professional performance considering we'd already got through, I think we was already top at that point. So yeah, superb yeah. performance. And I, I think that's my favourite one in twenty twenty. I, I can see your point there. The only thing I'd kind of like just to get the water and over your cornflakes it wasn't the strongest Seville team they put out it, it was wasn't still a good team it was still a good team but there was a fair few big names missing unfortunately. I, do, I do still think going to Sevilla and winning 4-0 oh yeah it's a, it's a great result so I, I, was I, I, shocked, I was shocked by 4-0 I'm not gonna <laughs> lie 
I mean, one nil up at half time, I did think that's probably reasonable. And then obviously when Giroud just thought perfect hat trick and a penalty, that's the plan. Yeah, fair play. Uh, Chris, uh, I've gone for beating Man City two one at home. Oh, I was thinking of that one. Just because I think I've I've gone, I've never gone into a game so much thinking we have got no hope today. I I never expected us to get a result in that game at all. And then the Man City defenders decided to just give Pulisic the entire half of the pitch to run into. And I thought overall, I thought that that whole performance was really good. We hurt Man City on the attack and we defended really well. I'll tell you, played that game. Yeah, I was going to say there was a really good performance. (laughs) From your best friend in that game, Chris. Can you tell me who that player is, Chris? Who was uh, it? I can't, I can't remember. It was a penalty, ago. wasn't it? It, yeah, it was I a think... penalty, yeah. 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 I can't think of who it was. He was Brazilian. Yeah, it was Brazilian. He, he was Brazilian. He wore the number 10 shirt. Um, oh, oh, he's at Arsenal, isn't he? He's at Arsenal. He used to play for Shakhtar. Oh, I remember yeah. that. William. <laughs> yeah, that's him. Yeah, it's... It's a good shout, though. I mean, that was a top performance. And that was when we handed the title to Liverpool, didn't we? We do that a lot. Just, yeah. you know, win a game that means that you have a team. Did it against City, did it against Spurs. Those are the yeah, good times. Um, yeah, I think those are all good shouts. So now it's the negative time. It's worst performance. And I've gone for a really recent one. Arsenal, Boxing Day. I mean, it's <laughs> got to be for me. It really has. Because just it's, it may be a bit of recency bias, as they call it. Um, but... Oh, no, 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 no. Maybe Sheffield United 3-0 back in July would come a close second because that was pretty depressing to watch. But, yeah, those are my picks. I've got nothing more to add on that. I think, yeah, I mean, my one is, is Sheffield United away. I mean, I know it was terrible against Arsenal, but at the end of the day, it, it's still Arsenal. They've still got great players. They're still a good team. You look back at where Sheffield United, that game, we was awful. I mean, we was oh, absolutely yeah. dreadful. And you look at where Sheffield United are now, and you think, how have we lost 3-0 to Sheffield United? Because they're not a great side at all, Sheffield United. They really aren't. I mean, I'm, they're going to hate me for saying this, but they, they could argue they probably are a championship se- uh, team. Because they've been found out massively this, this season. Based on, this, yeah, this form, no, it's not working. But last season, they were playing well, and you know, teams were finding it hard to figure out how they play and this and that. But we were awful. Christensen, Rudiger dreadful Jorginho dreadful Kepler dreadful awful it does epitomise how bad we could be last season I think that's why that's my worst performance of 2020 yeah it was when McGoldrick decided he would score goals again and it's always against us and it was just yeah. it was just awful it was really just bad awful. it really was yeah Chris yeah. I mean I had both of them wrote down I didn't pick the Arsenal game because it was so recent uh, and then I thought one of you would pick Sheffield United away so I've got I've got two more. Oh. The FA Cup final. We were that yeah, bad. Yeah. Two extra yeah. games. Yeah. And then yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean the FA Cup final is an obvious one. But then uh, my my least obvious one is actually a win. It's when we beat Norwich one nil at home. Mm. Back end, the back end of last season. And Norwich was okay. in absolutely shocking form at the time. And that, I think the week before, they'd lost 4-0 at yeah. home against Sam and Antonio was called four. And we had two shots on target in that game. One, because of a Giroud header. We was woeful that game. Absolutely terrible. Yeah. yeah. I, I good shout, that. that. I, I remember we've done this before with a record against uh, Norwich. It was under Conte, wasn't it, I think? we was it? Did we lose or we drew? I can't There's remember. the FA Cup. No, there was the Mourinho. FA Cup where we... We drew both sort of ties and we was awful in both games and we eventually beat him on penalties. I don't know if it was that what he was on about. Uh, I'm just looking it up. I'm trying to think where we were. We, drew, I remember we, were going, we were going for the title, weren't we? And we yeah, that points. was Mourinho. It was Mourinho, yeah. Nil-nil. Yeah, and you just think, really? Oh, you expected it. Yeah, it's one of them. Norwich seem to be a strange one. They always seem to... It's always the, like Sheffield, not not saying they're smaller teams, but that the teams that you expect to beat, we always just seem to go into this sense of, oh, oh we'll be fine, we'll walk it. And never, ever do that. Never, because you will get punished. It's just, yeah, it's one of them. Mm. Um, so we've gone from the worst performance, and now we're just going to go to a transfer business. Did it work? Uh, for me, it's a difficult one, since we can only judge the last four months, because we made no January business in which a player joined the squad for the remainder of 1920, you know. 
Uh, I'd say yes in terms of defence. You know, Mendy, Silva, Chilwell, they fixed a lot of holes in that department, 100%. Uh, Silver for me being our signing of the year by a country mile. I mean, I said it earlier, leadership, skill, his ability and the fee, or lack of, of course, so to speak, just showcase that. Uh, Attacking-wise, well, obviously Kai, Timo and Ziyech have had contrasted starts. Injuries and illness have certainly not helped a couple of them. But obviously when Ziyech's been on, you know, as well as tactical positioning from the manager, you could argue as well with why a couple of them haven't worked, but... But anyway, uh, from what I've seen of all three, they all have the talent. And we knew that. Obviously, that's why we bought them. And that's why we paid the fees we paid. Ziyech is a game changer. He's the catalyst. And when he is not featured, we've missed him the most, which says a lot for a player that's literally been at our club for four months, that we miss him when he doesn't play. Yeah, that, that's what I've got to say on them too. Uh, jump in on that if you want, guys, or go with your own suggestions. No, totally. I think defensively, all our signings have come in and done really well. Mendy is just few ropey games recently but he's still a great shot stopper I do think sometimes his decision making is a bit dodgy but I think he's an upgrade on Kepa definitely Targo Silva I agree with you Mikey I think he's been our, our best sign of the season without doubt brings leadership organisation he reads the game better than anyone I've seen other than John Terry um, Ben Chilwell superb left back he, again massive upgrade on what we had so I think you know you have to say defensively have been brilliant signings wise Going forward, Havertz and Werner, yeah, still got a lot to prove, but it's a long time yet. I mean, doesn't look like they're going to go anywhere relatively soon, so I still think they'll turn it around at Chelsea. And Ziyech, I think, is a magnificent player, and without him, we're just not as good of a team. So, yeah, I think it's a sort of halfway between thumbs up and a thumbs down, sort of thumb diagonally, I think you could argue. Yeah, I mean, when people question Thiago Silva coming to the Premier League from France and everything else, He's proven them all wrong. And when he said as well, I'm going to play at the Qatar World Cup in 2022 when he'll be 38, you think not many players can get to that level and still be, get to that age and still be at that level. Zlatan, of course, naturally. I mean, wow. I think Silver, I have no reason to doubt Silver's commitment to that cause. I think he'll be in Qatar. I mean, if, obviously, whatever's going on with the world and the pandemic and that sort of thing, you'd hope that that will have been in the past then, hopefully. But, yeah, I think there's no reason why he can't. He's been absolutely incredible, especially at that age. Wow. So, yeah. What what, what are you thinking, Chris, on the transfer business? Uh, I think Thiago Silva's been outstanding. Chilwell's come in, been consistent, solved us a major problem at left-back. Zayek has been outstanding when he's played. We've talked about Havertz and Werner, the, the mm. reasons why I don't think they've quite hit the heights that we were expecting them to, but they do still have time. It's just... With the Werner one especially, I think we need to get him back on form relatively quick because once a striker loses form for too long, we've seen it with players like Christian Benteke, they really struggle to get it back. Um, yeah, that's a fair point. Mendy, I think, definitely an upgrade on Kepa, but that wasn't that difficult. <laughs> that's true. That is very true. <laughs> lately, yeah, I suppose. Lately, I think there's, there's starting to be question marks over him. Not just in his decision making, but in his positioning again. And I think I'm wondering now whether <laughs> we need to start looking at the coaching staff in terms of who's working with the goalkeepers. Because we signed Kepper and he was a really highly rated keeper who had just had a really good season with Bilbao. And then he come to us and he just gradually got worse and worse and worse. Mendy come in with no coaching from our coaching staff and he come into the team and was playing really well. And then the more coaching he's had, I think we're, see, we're starting to see a decline from where he was when he first came in to now. In him as well, I think there's there's just question marks over the the goal against Wolves, the opponent's goal, getting beat at his near post. Oh, to... I, see, I, I don't know about that one. I mean, I've, I've heard a few pundits say it could have been his fault, but I think that's a bit harsh on him. Yeah, I'm not uh... blaming What I'm saying is, I think, if you look at his positioning for that goal, he's too far to the centre of the goal rather mm. than covering near post anyway it takes a deflection so I don't think he would have saved it from the, the range that it was at anyway but I just do think positionally he is starting to look questionable and that was almost my problem with Kepa I think Mendy Mendy's better because he's taller so he has a longer reach so he doesn't get beat as easily in the corners because he's just naturally got a longer reach whereas yeah. Kepa was a smaller goalkeeper so if he was out of position it went in and I think one, that was... one, 
them. But I am starting to wonder whether the, the coaching staff at Chelsea, in terms of the goalkeeping coaching, is good enough. Well, one thing I would say about that, one thing I would say, just intervene, um, when he first came in, other than the Man U game, where he made a couple of good saves, he hasn't really been tested. Like He hadn't sort of, there wasn't many games where we had that, he had faced that many shots. I mean, if, if he did, there was only very simple shots that any keeper probably would have saved. Not how many really world-class saves did he make in that run where he went and like won 17 games or wasn't beaten for 17 games and when we didn't sort of concede that many? I mean, I couldn't name you three world-class saves that he actually made. Now, yeah. are we just seeing whether he's actually that good or is it something to do with the coaching? I don't know. I think he's a good keeper. and I'm sure Petrček's involved in sort of his keeping and, and his development. So I, I don't know if it is a coach and I'm not too sure, but it's definitely one to sort of look out for on the Mendy situation, definitely. Just to, I, I know, obviously before I say this, I know who it is, but do you know who the goalkeeping coach is? It's Hilario, isn't it? It is indeed. Spent his entire yeah. career as a third-choice goalkeeper and now he's coaching Chelsea's first-choice goalkeepers. How's that work out? It, it's it's interesting. In all fairness, Sir Alex Ferguson was never a great football player, but he's an incredible coach. Yeah. I, I guess you could argue that you'd, you'd, you'd be in... A, well, then he joined when he was part of the Conte backroom staff, but uh, I don't know. It's a difficult one. He, you do... There's much... Yeah, it's a difficult one. I mean, there's some goalkeepers. We'll talk about this next week, about uh, January, that are available, that could be available on a pre-contract, but they have interesting agents, so we might not want to bring them in, but we'll see on that. Um, we'll end it with this one. This is a fun one. Uh, most controversial hot take by an At The Bridge podcast host. Uh, I, I've, I've nominated myself. I'm really proud of this. I, I said uh, N'Golo Kante should be sold in the summer and uh, I was very wrong and he's not past it and he's incredible and we shouldn't take 100 million. I'm sorry, but uh, that's my nomination for 2020. Uh, guys, what did you think? First of all, Marky, I'm actually starting to think that wasn't the worst shout that you said. Two games, we'll let him off. Um, I'm, I'm, obviously, I talk the most sense out of this podcast, so I'm not going to nominate myself. <laughs> I'm only joking, I'm only joking. Um, but Chris, I think you have to take the blame on this one. I think I think the Leeds one, I think the way, like, yeah, the Leeds one where you said that I think about Leeds fans will turn on Bielsa if they get relegated or whatever, something along those lines. I just don't see that happening because I know how much Leeds fans love him. I, I know pundits love how he plays. I know Leeds fans love how he plays. The development of Leeds and what he's done to them, I just don't see them turning on him, whether they get relegated or not. I just I just think they're a very loyal bunch of Leeds fans and I just think you'll have to take the L on this one, unfortunately. Sorry. I'm so sorry. I disagree because I have heard Leeds fans who aren't happy losing 6-2 at Old Trafford. So... There, are, there has been some fans who have turned on him. And I, I think don't... at the minute, because they're going away to West Brom and winning 5-0, and then the week after they lose 4-0, then they win 5-0, lose 4-0, I think people, the fans are a little bit more accepting. But if they if they go on a run of fixtures where they keep playing the way they are, and I think if they lose was to lose three games quite heavily, I think that's when the fans would turn, saying that he's too naive. I still think that. Mm, I, I don't know. I don't. I can kind of see your point, but I just think, I just don't see him turning. The majority of them, I don't see him turning. But I can see your point. Yeah, I mean. Sorry, Chris. I'm so sorry. By the way, can I just say, Chris is the manager of my football team, and he's he's on that game of the captaincy the start of this season. So I firmly believe now I'm going to be stripped of the captaincy. So (laughs) I'll um I won't say any more on that situation. Uh, We'll talk later. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of them. He's got, I can see your point. I mean, it, I watched the Leeds game last night and I really enjoyed the football they were playing. It was incredible. Yeah, it was against West Brom, but it was still really enjoyable for me. But yeah, I can see, uh, I can, we can, yeah, it's a fair one. Um, we do have a question. I totally forgot what it was. I believe Chris put it forward. One of one of you, Chris, has did. I've, I've already forgot. Uh, yeah, go for it. Chris, take, Ad- take Chris, Ad- Chris Adams put it forward. What? I'm sure you did. Oh, don't do this to us. You put it in earlier, didn't you? Well, we oh, answered yeah. it in the group. Yeah, go on. Yeah, yeah. First leads, now this. Chris, come on. Come on, we've got to get the flow. Keep that. It's been a long day. Okay? <laughs> uh, yeah. if, if you was to be asked, out of all the Chelsea players you either love now or have loved in the past, 
Would you actually pick any of the current squad? Um, I mean, I just find now it, it's so much harder to have an affiliation to these players. Like before, there's always been players that you think, oh, I would be devastated if we sold him. Whereas now I just look at the squad and I think, who would I be that gutted to lose? If it come on the Sky Sports that breaking news is being sold, I'd think, meh. You know what? I, I've thought of this after I actually answered your question earlier, and I thought I'd leave it till now. I actually think a large part of that is down to not having fans in the ground. Now, that may seem strange, but okay. if you think about it, the atmosphere in the ground and, and the passion that you hear, it sort of relays back to you. So if, if you hear someone chanting, say, for Lampard or whatever, you just, you just love Lampard. Like, it's, it's not, like, you feel like you're part of the... Like, the other supporters of loving a player, like Conte, when everyone chanting Conte's name, everyone just loved Conte because he was so, it was just a gravitation towards the fans. And when there aren't fans there, it's very hard to get that sort of connection with a player. Does that make sense? Or have I just made up a load of bullshit no, to send to I, I can see what you mean there. I, I actually I, can see what you mean. I, like, for me, I actually answer your question, like players like Mason Mount and Tammy Abraham, you know, players that have come for the youth, I, I automatically love because it, it shows. Yeah. You, know, you just love them because you know they love Chelsea. I, I, I know I've sort of slagged him off this episode, but I, I love N'Golo Kante. I think when he, when he goes, you know, we will miss him massively. I thought he's a great player and he, and he is a great player still, um, no matter how many bad words I say about him recently. But yeah, um, yeah, I think like players like Mount, Tammy, Reese James, we'll love them or we'll come to love them more and more as sort of they develop at Chelsea, I think. Uh, I, I can see your point there. I mean, if you, yeah. Hundred percent. I think one player in the future it could be Ben Chilwell. We could, when he eventually leaves, yeah. it will be or retires. However, it goes. I think he could become on that list. But the fan connection, I do see your point. Ingolo Kante is up there. Of course, he is. I mean, I know. It doesn't matter what I said. I've gone back on it. I'd be. We were sad about Hudson Odoi, but was that because of him or more? We're losing out on the potential. That's an interesting mm. thing to shout out. Yeah. But yeah, it's, definitely. It's a really good. It's a good question. I, I'll put that out to the. Um, the socials, obviously, everyone will have seen the question by now. I'll post it, so we'll see. We did have some breaking news on a uh, few 10 15 minutes ago. Manchester City have resumed training, so it looks like the game is probably going to go ahead. But because oh, this is coming no. out, you... I know. <laughs> well, considering when this comes out, how the world works now is everything changes on a day by the, the league might have been suspended. You never, you never, never know. So we, this could be out of date already. But yeah, it looks like that's going to be going ahead. So that'd be interesting to see how that game plays out. Um, yeah. So so with that, we, we've come to the end of another episode of At The Bridge Pod. And it's time for the social media plug. So where can we be found? Uh, Chris, I'll let you go first, seeing as I, I sort of put you um, down earlier. <laughs> Thanks, Beth. That really it's all right. It's okay. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Chris09Adams. And on Twitter, I'm at Chris Burford. Uh, you can find myself on Twitter and Instagram as that redhead dude. But for all things at the Bridge Pod, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching exactly that at the Bridge Pod. You can drop us a like, a follow, keep up to date on all things Chelsea, have a go at us for our opinions, which is fair. It's fair. So till next time, listeners. That is us signing off. <laughs>